0: Hi everyone. The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in the following podcast belong solely to the host and its contributors. They are not necessarily the views of our employers, organizations, committees, or other group or individual. I'm David Campbell. And I'm Joseph Whitney. This is Brewing with BIM. Where we talk about construction processes,
1: technology, BIM, and beer. Uh
0: Hey, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Brewing with Bim. I'm Joe Whitney, and with me is Dave Campbell. Uh, what's up, Dave? Hey, not much, Joe. Uh, welcome back to another episode of
1: Brewing with Bim.
0: Cool. Yeah. Well, um, before we get into it today, we got to introduce our, uh, our our guest who has been a long time coming. He's kind of the guy that got me on the bandwagon to doing the podcast in the first place, uh, Eric DeLeon. What's up, Eric?
2: Hey, hey guys! Thank you uh, for having me. Oh man, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. Uh, so, for those
0: that don't know, Eric, you're like the, the the CAD manager, right? In quotations. You've got this awesome podcast, CAD Manager Confessions, which is kind of what lit us uh, lit a fire underneath our booties to uh, get this thing going. Um, so, man, uh, you know, pleasure to have you on.
2: Yeah, well, thank you. Yes, uh, yeah, I, yes, I am a CAD manager. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's it's been an interesting journey um, doing this whole podcast thing. And so uh, it's kind of, to be honest, so I'm going to turn it back to you in that, you know, it was that, that one evening in November of uh, 2019, uh, you know, you sent me a text going, hey, so what are you doing for podcasting? Or have you started your podcast? And I'm like, oh, man, no, I haven't. So literally, like, the next, like, two days, <laughs> I I had to record one and get it out there before you did. Because you're like, we're launching this week. <laughs> and I'm like, there's no way the guy that's coming to me, me. Yeah, he's going to beat me. So I had to get my – I mean – since then, you guys have more episodes than me, but at least I got that first one before you guys could launch yours.
0: Hey, man. No, that's uh, awesome. quality,
2: quality over quantity.
0: Quality over quantity. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, I didn't mean to put you on the spot with it or anything. You just had like this, you know, uh, declaration that I'm going to be starting a podcast soon and yep. stay tuned. Yep. And I, you know, it been, I don't know, I don't know how long it's been since I saw that, but I was like, all right, Six man, what months. are you
2: doing? Six months. <laughs> Yeah, it was spring of right. 2019. Again, I was one of those um, trying to manifest it, right? Because I obviously all of these, you know, we we all sit on all these ideas, right? Whether or not we, you know, want to start a diet, or we want to, um, you know, go do a new kind of workout class, or I want to just start a book, or I want to start that course. And so this is one of those things where you know it, it's there's a lot there's a there can be a lot to it, and so. Uh, I I figured I'd manifest it because it was in one of my, it's been on my bucket list for years, right? Even during the first wave of podcasting, you know, 10 years ago. Um, And so, yeah, so I went, I'm going to go on LinkedIn. I'm going to, I'm going to manifest it, put it out there. So people keep me accountable and then nothing (laughs) for six months. and then finally you bugged me, you know, just kind of, you know, you kind of just poked me saying, Hey, so what are you using for your (laughs) podcast? Like I haven't done it yet, so I better do it.
0: Oh, man. It, I didn't mean so to poke sorry. you, back,
2: no, but... No, I appreciate it. Yeah, I'm <laughs> yeah. glad you did. <laughs> you, and the rest been, is history.
0: You've been the guy that's kind of, like, manifested quite a bit, though. Like, you, you're you always seemed... I don't know if you want to call it a side hustle or side hobby or whatever. But you, you're always uh, doing something, like something... Uh, so you and I met, you know, for our listeners, you and I met, I don't know, must've been like four or five years ago at those yep. pub crawls we used to do. Yep. Um, and your previous company, you came up and we had some, you know, some good conversations, but, um, you had told me about some, some like online trainings and all this other stuff that you had done. Uh, and you just always seem to be active outside of work, but still pertaining to work. And it was like this really nice balance of, yeah, I'm working, but this, this part of it's for me. I really
2: uh, like that. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I mean, one of them, yeah, so I've, I've done, how do you want to say it? Um, I was mentored early on in my career of like, you know, if you want to, you know, get ideas uh, for what you're doing in your day job or your current market, always look outside, right? Or, you know, and so that's where kind of, you know, I'm always looking at for new ideas, doing spinoffs of trying to, how can I use that technology within the AEC industry Um, and then, you know, kind of then leveraging some of that, you know, for how do I then build a like personal brand or personal authority platform? And, you know, so yeah, so I've done, I've done three courses with Pluralsight.com, one for infoworks and two for microstation, just basically, you know, they reached out to me. I'm just taking my day job knowledge and trying to share it with the world. Um, you know, when you get, for me, like when I get into that kind of mode, I mean, I'm able to use my day job skills in a way that my day job may not maybe let me use my skills um and with that you know i get to learn some you know you use the creative side of stuff of what i do so that way and it gets and again gets the juices going in a way um that just um you know i like to share like you said you know we talk i like to to share the things that i'm learning because maybe maybe it'll spark something in somebody else
0: I think I can definitely relate yeah. to that, man. Yeah. yeah. So you mentioned you had some good mentors early on. Um, you had worked for a lot of, you know, massive companies. And, you know, we chatted about this in the past. Um, like, t- tell me a little more about how you, well, actually, hold on. We got we to gotta backtrack for a second. Dave, I know you are at Pelican Brewery right now.
2: <laughs> what are you
1: drinking, dude? Oh, dude, actually... Today I'm drinking a hazy rock juicy IPA. It's a New England um, hazy IPA with a nice uh, what is it, 6.2% ABV.
0: Oh, nice, nice. Yeah. And and, uh, Eric, you are not a beer
2: person. You're tequila, right? I'm a margarita guy. Yeah. Margarita guy. Are you drinking anything right
0: now, or is
2: just just H2O? I just got off of work, so. (laughs) Oh
0: yeah, yeah. That's right.
2: Yeah. Uh gotta hydrate before
0: you dehydrate. (laughs) uh... (laughs) (laughs) Well, with the air quality up there, man, I don't know if I'd want to be chugging back a few a few uh few anyways. That's crazy. Um, I am uh sipping on some old overholt rye and some diet Pepsi because I'm classy and to make it even more classy, drinking out of a ninja turtles coffee mug, so uh
2: (laughs) adulting. Awesome. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> at its finest, right there. At its
0: oh, finest. I'm pretty excited,
1: actually. I uh, I was walking through the liquor store trying to pick up my bottle. You know, just kind of seeing what sticks out to me. I I finished off uh, my Don. Actually, I had a, I had a bottle of Don, uh, Don Julio um, Reposado, and it was really good, really good tequila. And I'm walking through, and I'm like, I, I I'm kind of moving on past tequila. Like I want to, you know, expand my horizons here a little bit. And I happen to see a bottle of Jameson coffee whiskey. And I'm like, oh, I think think I'm going to try that. It sounds really, really good. I'm going to have to let you guys know how that one goes.
2: Uh Uh-oh. So now we know if we don't get nothing done during the day.
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Right.
2: David's a little bit more (laughs) chill today than usual.
0: (laughs) Right. Yeah. Fortunately for me, I'm three hours ahead of you guys, so I don't have to do anything. I got a little few painting projects, but uh, you guys, you know, it's early. You guys still have to be somewhat productive, at least yeah. social amongst friends. I'm yeah. out chilling out in my, my basement just by myself, soloing. The, the family's gone to get haircuts. I'm just hanging out. I love it, man. Just uh, drinking, drinking my Ninja Turtle whiskey. All right, man. So, so that said, got to get back to it. Um, you uh, you kind of had this, you know, awesome tenured career rising through the ranks, but always pushing technology and new workflows wherever you go. Yep. Last firm you were with, you and I chatted about some pretty amazing workflows. You're like, oh, we're never going to implement these, but I keep pushing them. And they're, you know, cool <laughs> things that I can to talk about, yeah. you know, primarily in Forks and all those fun things. Um, yep. But that said, you know, how did you come up through this like how, tell us tell us how you got to where you are today
2: all right well I'll, I'll keep it brief but uh yeah so i started out um you know got a an associates in cad technology um from there my early on in my career i was an industrial designer for a semiconductor company in Tigard, oregon um, we did a lot of stuff for um, clean rooms um, and so we, um I used, so back then I was using Inventor, actually Mechanical Desktop, um, and then well, the cool part was at that point Mechanical Desktop was pre-Inventor, and so we were actually, since we were a heavy use of Mechanical Desktop in the region, Autodesk actually, uh, we were called, they were coming out with Inventor at that time, so I was actually a part of a small alpha group for Inventor, um, which was pretty cool, and so um. Yeah. So we got to. I got to be trained on, you know, Inventor One. Uh, that's,
0: that's. Yeah. Pretty awesome, man. Like, so Autodesk has a very um, rich history of an Inventor inside of the the Pacific Northwest, especially that Oregon office right there was Lake Oswego. Yeah. Um. And then you guys being a tiger, you're what ten minutes away.
2: Yeah. And
0: there's there seems to be a hub of semiconductor companies in the tiger area all because of the, the local big name but um that's awesome man. that's that's like you were you were as you say the alpha a lot of us are just betas man but you were you're the
2: your top dog yeah it was pretty cool to be a part of that and it's pretty cool It was cool too was that we had like a um the, like the email to one of the main developer guys or that team and so there was a couple of it was there's a couple of nuances i remember um with how the button clicks were the left and button click and they actually had it somebody's trying to be too too what do you want to say it um trying to be too uh, i can't find that right word uh, too smart for themselves i guess because they, re- <laughs> they, they reversed the way you would how you would how autodesk you know when you're doing autodesk products you know the left and button left and right click button configuration and the guy thought they thought oh we'll just swap it yeah well that didn't go well because you keep on doing it the other way Uh, but anyway so there was things like that where they put the button selection back to how it should have been and then a couple of um, workflows and stuff that we suggested were implemented in that first um, official release of inventor so that was that was really cool to see
0: man yeah that's not your traditional civil Path though, that's
2: pretty awesome. No, yeah. So, from there, then was so then I so we so the company um got bought out by a big um Japanese company, and so they we expanded. And so, we went from Tigard, and at this time, I still I, I've been living in Salem this whole time, but we went from Tigard to then to Gresham to 181st, and so and then here I am driving from Salem now to Gresham. It's going now, w- my, to
0: here, nearly.
2: Yeah, it wasn't too bad. It did. It doubled it, and luckily we, I did a six to two thirty shift because we had a manufacturing floor, and so they wanted design to work with the guys who guys and gals who actually put these mini environments for clean rooms together. So, um, so it was kind of cool. And even though I'd leave the leave the house at five, I got there at six, but I was off by two thirty and home by three. Imagine this: you can leave Gresham at two thirty and be home in Salem by three thirty. That's how. That's before the spike of traffic. Yeah, back in the day. But um, no, I did that for a couple. I did that commute for like two years, and then I just was looking for a change, um, and hopefully close to home. And that's when um, I took a position with the the bridge section with the Oregon Department of Transportation, um, and that's what got me involved with the AEC market. Um, and so. Once I went there, I was there for a couple years Um, at that time. um, ODOT came out with like a $1.3 billion infrastructure package, and with that came a lot of new consultants. Um, And so they um, so a lot of people, of course, they're poaching from the DOT because we're the ones that did that were very close to the kind of products that they were creating or doing the kind of projects and so. Um, Yeah, so after two years, um, I left ODOT and worked for H.W. Lochner for 10 years. Um, Lochner was was the place that I would like to say was the the foundation to the person that I am today. Of course, all the other things are stepping stones, um, but Lochner, I was able to progress from a structural cat tech to a CAD manager, to leading visualization, a whole new group, leading the LIDAR group there, uh, and then ultimately finding my spot within um, alternative delivery, uh, being the CAD slash production manager for major um, design, build, pursuits, and projects. Um, but yeah, I mean, th- those were some great years, and those were the times where, um, you know, I got mentored in. And we're surrounded by some great with some great people. That's where, you know, how do you want to say it? Um, when you get the right group of people together and they all believe in what it is that you're doing, it's truly amazing the, the kinds of projects that you can do and the type of products that are, you know, that are a byproduct of that, I guess. Um but, yeah, those are some I have some really good memories and some really good um, relationships and friendships through through my times at Lochner that will definitely shape me to the person I am today and help me create some of the the workflows, the mindsets, and the uh, how I approach the way I do my work today. That is
0: awesome, man that's um that is like, awesome.
2: yeah, that's yeah. kind of
0: that's the. I don't know we kind of all long for you know an environment like that that you know really coaches you up and and lets you you know try new things but try them in a certain way you, you get mentored and coached yeah. the way. That, that's awesome and and i, I think know that's the that, idea of culture yeah yeah that's like that's a company that's an awesome company culture i i don't you know so so you left there you uh, did you go to the firm that i knew you from uh, no that, yeah
2: no so what happened, so during during that, again, I was um, I was hustling all over the country, doing design build projects and pursuits. Um, it, so at that point, um, they actually closed down our Oregon office. Um, however, they kept me on because I was doing a lot of these big projects and, you know, I guess flatter that they don't want to let me go. So out of all the people, you know, I was actually working at my home office, traveling to um, Bellevue, Washington. Traveling to Chicago, um, and then I had a. G, I guess you know here I am. I'm a corporate employee, a part of the alternate delivery group, and I'm based out of Oregon. There's no other employees <laughs> except myself in Oregon. Um, and so there was a Jesus moment where they're like, you know, if you, in order, you know, uh, in order to maximize this um, this opportunity, we're going to need you to move to the Midwest. Um, and so that's when I had to, I had to look for a different opportunity. I was kind of sad because you know, end of the day, they were just going to have me go to another state to write another project anyway. And I didn't want to, um, you know, take my family all the way out to the Midwest when all of our friends and family are here in the West Coast um, to do that. Um, And so it was a really tough decision um, because I, you know, I love the people that I work with and the stuff that I was doing there. Um, And so then I there I left and I went to WH Pacific. I was their director of LIDAR. Um, they were looking for somebody to kind of help revamp and start their group, re-energize their group. And since I had lots of, you know, AEC experience as a CAD manager, technology guy, I had, you know, at that point I had, you know, um, I don't know, 10 years of LiDAR experience um, and trying to, you know, even though I was a technician or the specialist in LiDAR, you know, I was also marketing and selling it. And, you know, doing presentations and trying to, you know, win more work. So I was beyond the the technical guy as well. I was also kind of the business part of it. Um, And so, yeah, so I got to do LiDAR there. Unfortunately, that came, that lasted nine months due to some corporate restructuring. Um, And so (laughs) I didn't, um, I was let go from there. And then that's where I went to um, Obet Consulting Engineers, which is where Joey and I, inter our our lives intersect um yeah i was the cad manager there for um for five years managed you know 10 drafters across three offices um you know doing work for odot and all the other public local and local local agency type of clients
0: well you you've definitely uh, uh gone back to another bigger firm um since then not that obec was tiny but um just saying like company you're at now, how many drafters do you manage?
2: Actually, so this, so so the company I'm at now is that we're actually trying, they hired me to help um, revive the traditional CAD group. Um, and so, because here where I'm at at OTAC, we, we're, we do the hybrid model to where a lot of the plans production is being done by EITs, designers, engineers. Um, and so right now I only manage two CAD, two CAD designers. Um, but we're trying to grow it to be very similar to traditional CAD groups, right, where EIT designer, engineer do the engineering designing, and then they hand over, um, you know, the, the design content slash line work so that way we can produce the plans. Gotcha. Wow.
0: Yeah, I, I didn't know that okay. actually about OTAC either. Uh, so, so real quick, though, you've done LiDAR for 10 years, uh, is it all uh, terrestrial scanning? There's there drones involved? Like what is your?
2: No, it was uh, terrestrial. Region? Yeah, terrestrial. It was all you know tripod based, and we had a mobile scanner when I was at W and H. Um, and so, yeah, it didn't. I mean, when I left that position, I think drones just didn't weren't. It wasn't. It wasn't ready yet. <laughs> um, soon after, right? Yeah, You know, the, the drones taken, yep. have taken over. Um, So that would have been, what, like 2015-ish, right? When a lot of that, mm-hmm. 13, 14, 15, when it's, it starts to get more mainstream. Of course, other people did it because yeah. I've been following other LiDAR mm-hmm. service providers that did it. Um, And so, but for us now, I mean, I've been a champion of it, of course, because it's a newer technology, keeping an eye out on how do we make our, how can we do our jobs better, more efficient, how can mm-hmm. we get, more data into our, into our, to our teams. And so, but no, wasn't able to do it with, that'd have been awesome if I was able to do the LiDAR with um, LiDAR with the drones. Well, I, as that'd you cool. that, yeah, I
0: mean, we're big proponents of drones and, and LiDAR as well. We've got uh, a, we've got a, a series coming up with uh, um, uh, some um, scan gurus and all that stuff, mostly focused on construction side of the vertical side. Yeah. So things With that said, um, you're the, the InfoWorks, like you've been pushing this for the marketing aspect and all that sort yep. of stuff. I imagine you're incorporating um, the LIDAR tools, say, taken from Recast into um, InfoWorks, doing you know feature extraction or what have you. Are you doing any of that yet?
2: No, not yet. I mean, we looked at, again, where it's, how you want to say it? It's, it's tough enough to have somebody try to want to use InfoWorks, right? Actually, yeah. I just had a conversation with um, Rick Ellis before this. Oh. Um yeah we kind really? of, we kind of got it cuz he's going to be on uh, one of my um he's going to be on my podcast here coming up and then we actually got on this topic of how you know it's it's tough enough to use some of these technologies that some that some firms don't even quite understand how to use let alone use lidar right i mean um you know i, I like to say that we're sophisticated but sometimes i think because you know Rick and I had just, it was a really good conversation just to highlight the when, um, when people aren't shown how to leverage it, they may, it may not come to mind. Like, how am I going to use InfraWorks? Right. I mean, of course, to some who've been doing visualization and other things, that makes sense. But if you're, if you're not in that kind of realm, now it's just another thing to have to learn to hopefully get to me, hopefully get to myself to civil 3D. Right. I don't know. I just seems like it just it seems like with some of these new technologies that um, and I, I've seen it. I've had a hard time trying to get managers to buy off on, you know, to use it because the first thing they're saying is, you know, who's going to pay for it? Right. How much is it going to cost me? Um, and type of deal. Well, those are those are very good, valid questions. And then it comes to, you know, then who's going to who's going to use it and how how are they going to use it?
0: So, yeah, and those are big concerns. So first off, I mean, Autodesk, everybody knows, has rubbed it into the AC collection. They started it first by putting it into the design suites. Yeah. Um, it still didn't get a lot of traction at first. But then they started removing a lot of the um, LiDAR functionality, forcing people to recap, yeah. and then promoting the drone workflows through 3JR and whoever else uh, through the import stuff. I, you know, to be honest, I don't, I don't know the gauge of the market. I just know... I work with a lot of people that prefer the linear feature extraction tools rather than paying for, you know, some beefed up oh, version of it somewhere else where yep. it's already thrown in. Uh, but that said, for those of you guys that don't know, you threw out a name there, Rick Ellis. Rick Ellis is a, like, Pacific <laughs> Northwest, you know, CAD manager legend. He actually used to work for uh, our employer in there, you know, who we used to be, I guess. Um, uh, he's, uh, he's been around for a long time. He's, uh, he's uh, a wealth of Portland, knowledge, apparently.
2: Portland Precision?
0: Yeah, Portland Precision. He was uh, he was there for for a while. Yeah,
2: yeah. I mean, you know, because again, for you know, for my podcast, I'm trying to reach out to you know other CAD manager, CAD manager types. You know, some of them like I haven't been a CAD manager for ten years. I'm like, it doesn't matter. Um, you know, you still have a you still have an awesome story and a unique perspective to bring, but. Yeah, but yeah, but you know, Rick's hustling around, right? Trying to train people in Civil 3D and other things, yep. and and he actually writes his
0: own books. He does a whole bunch of stuff.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. I can't wait to have him on. I mean, him and I, we talked probably for like 90 minutes a day, and I'm like, man, we should have just recorded this. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> uh, it was so much gold <laughs> yeah. there, dude. So I'm, much gold. Yeah. I'm
0: gonna uh, recommend two names for you. That uh, well, I'll give you three names. Uh, three names that you should definitely reach out to. I don't know if you have any relation with them, but I'd be happy to make an introduction. If you want to have that one is Rob Gadbaugh Rob Gadbaugh is he's the man um he like started civil 3d in in um in new zealand and australia he was the guy down there and uh, he developed kobe kobe labs tools all those stuff he does a lot of development for a lot of different people he wrote the original civil 3d template he had a hand in that. okay um he's 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 and he's uh near you he's up in um uh canvas wash uh Rob Sinclair, uh, CEC, um, if you don't know, civil environmental consultants are massive, they're everywhere. Um, Rob Sinclair is the corporate CAD manager. He is like, you know, he, he's up there, he's he's, he's, he's a man. Uh, and then another gentleman, uh, maybe not so much on the CAD side, but on the BIM side, Stephen Rushmore, he was at Michael Baker and he's now at Larson. Like these are very prominent uh, CAD, CAD guys. I, I'd be happy to make some introductions at some point.
2: Yeah, most definitely. Uh, awesome. Of course. I'm just trying to
0: force you into doing more episodes. That's yeah, all.
2: Don't You don't I know I got to be consistent. Hey. I know I got to be consistent. But, uh, uh, no, dude. I mean, I, I'm I'm loving this because again, it's, um, it's just one of, it's just to hear the stories, to know that you know we're all, we're all in the same, you know, we're walking all in the same shoes, right? we're all on the same journey. However, yeah. the nuances to our journeys are, is just so incredible um, because, you know, even though CAD may be the foundation to what we do, because the way the cultures, of the companies are, the, um, the how would I said the our own personal drives and the things that interest us and the firms that we work at, the different industries and markets, um, you know, it's just, it's interesting stories. So I'm having a really great time Talking to all my fellow um, CAD managers. Yeah, that's yeah,
1: awesome, man. the path that it takes you down, I find that's that's the coolest thing, right? It's experience, the, the experience, like literally, just of, of life in general as it takes you down your path. Whether it's you know, in our case, going through BIM, starting out, and you know, maybe something like design and going into construction and seeing all the different paths that are available to you and just who you connect with, how you connect with people, what workflows you learn. It's it's an awesome awesome ride.
0: Well, that and then also the culture, you guys both hit on this, like the culture of uh, who you guys were back then, like has shaped who you are now. You you mentioned this earlier, oh, yeah. how H.W. Lockner's kind of shaped who you are as a person. But imagine like how you, you know, been brought up a, a, in these like you've reacted to certain things or maybe somebody slapped your hand with a shin have or maybe maybe something like, you know, tweaked your mind to doing a certain thing a certain way that shapes you all throughout. Like you're always going to look back and, you know, have that, Mm -hmm. that, you know, that muscle memory, if you will, and it's going to kind of make you do different things. That said, being a CAD manager today, I I don't, I can't even imagine. Like, so, so this is one of the main reasons why we wanted to get together, Uh, aside from, you know, kind of the, you know, look, man, you were kind of the driving force behind us getting a podcast telling, you know, educating me on platforms and everything. But um, More than anything, really, right now, what's going on? I really want to chat with you, but I want to know how COVID is affecting CAT managers, how, how it's affecting kind of the scope of things, the work, what kind of, uh, you know, strategies are having to be, you know, in place. I I have these conversations almost daily, yeah. but they, they're never the same. So I'm interested yeah. in hearing what's going you on. You know,
1: I'm actually, I'm interested in a couple things myself. I'd like to add to the list since we're interviewing. We're, <laughs> done, we're, we're di- okay. deep diving. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Mailing them down here. So one, I, a, question, a couple things I'd like to talk about are how are you connecting BIM? Like, how do you see that process now? Like, what what things are you guys are? How are you? Connecting? Are you, are you, are you the, the the design, like the bridge design workflow, um, going through Inventor, maybe touching in Revit, Inventor, Civil 3D. Um, I, I know you kind of hit a couple of my buzzwords there earlier with inventor civil 3d and then infraworks. And I'm like, Oh man, here we go. So I <laughs> just, have you had any uh, opportunities to, you know, get into that? And, and again, how do you see, I guess, CAD moving forward and this relationship with BIM, I guess, growing?
0: That's definitely a better place to start. Start there, man. Start with the whole SIM. All
2: right, well, we'll, well, no <laughs> <laughs> Let me go back with the with the COVID thing, and then I'll get to the sim part because I think that's um there I think that that's definitely like you say the rabbit holes uh, that we can go down. Uh, so obviously COVID, I mean for all of us, right? It's been a challenge uh, because you know one day you're working next to people and the next day you're not, um, and for some people that's a challenge. Um, for others, you know, uh, for the You know, for others, you know, um, we can kind of roll with the punches as as they come. Um, But for as a CAD manager, the one I guess um, for me is just the um, not being able to see my staff in person. Um, You know, I like to say I'm a I'm a people person. Um, I like to I've been trained to be aware of body language. um, You definitely are a
0: people person. And thank you.
2: And tone, you know, kind of, you know, body language and tones of voices, and, um, you know, I, I'm I'm un, I'm unable to do that to where I can pivot conversations or pivot things so that way I can making sure that my that my people are okay, right? And so, you know, yeah, we, we talk, you know, we talk daily, you know, we have a big meeting during the every Monday afternoon. But at the same time, though, you know, um, yeah, that's probably been probably been the the challenging part. I think the rest of it, I think, ends up working itself out, right? We all learned how to use Teams. One of the big things that I think I like about, to be honest, COVID, it forced me to do to, and you're gonna, you guys are gonna like this, forced me to use Bluebeam more for my reviews. Um, <laughs> I'm laughing on mute, but that was awesome, man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, and so, you know, that allowed me to do that. I'm, I'm better at it and faster now. Before, I would be half in, half out, like, oh, if it's a big plan set, of course I'm going to print it out because I want to feel the paper and be able to flip back and forth. But now I've leveraged, I'm, I'm way faster at electronic reviews. So I'm glad that, you know, if there's silver linings to all this, that it kind of forced it forced us to kind of move into that next realm of technology um you know in, but in overall i mean what i what i really like that this has done is that at least it's helped change the narrative of how we get work done i don't need to be next to somebody to have trust i'm not saying i don't have trust but for others right that have that i have to see you in your desk in your seat at your desk to be able to know if you're getting something done right um and this has kind of changed that narrative i think it's it's been it's been long overdue um and luckily for us when we went when we went into the stay-at-home orders or shelter in place um you know we already had teams it was just a matter of getting people to use it and so you know for us as a company it was it was it was pretty cool that you know i like to say it was like a a week or two, to be honest, and then after that, majority of people were using Teams. we all VPNing in, and you know, going through all of that. So, but you know, so the other part of the challenges with with COVID is um, accountability and being able to follow up with folks. You know, it's not as easy when somebody you need to do a correction because somebody's not doing um, you know for us like I told you before the culture is we still I still have EITs designers and engineers doing some drafting and so I can't it's not as easy as to go to their desk with the plans and say hey I noticed you know this is kind of not our standard you know let's work together to you know making sure it is Um, and so that's what makes it kind of the challenging, like the actual follow-up of you know when you got to do those kind of things.
0: Gotcha. Kind of, kind of more of the, the the things that require a softer touch, more of a yeah over the shoulder type type reaction. I get that. I I do like what you you positioned it very well in your statement. But um, in my mind, I think of it as they forced people, COVID forced uh, uh, um, employees to be computer literate. I, I think that's the bottom line.
2: agree. Yeah, I, I think the challenge, uh, and again, I know not everybody's the same, but I know for us, you know, just in, like you said, there's, I think there's some, um, you know, computer, you know, I, I, I'm trying to be. You're
0: so PC. Come on, man. Come
2: you know, on, just some 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 people struggle uh, with the technology. Some people struggle with the you technology go. There you go. Yeah. for whatever reason, and, right? And, tr-
0: and, David, I think you're cutting in and out, bud. Yeah. Anyways. I, I,
2: more for that manager relationship. Say that again. Anyway, it's hard to hear. Him. So yeah, it's alright. No anyway, so the technology part, like you said, it forced it forced it. And, you know, I think that's great. Um, you know, and hopefully we can continue to, you know, and hopefully this actually, hopefully this is a, a, a launching springboard, right? into you know, how can we leverage more technology where it makes sense to help us continue to improve um you know to improve what how we do how we deliver projects how we communicate and stuff like that
0: yeah definitely definitely so i actually um i had the privilege of speaking with a gentleman who we're, we're going to have on this podcast because he was talking about the psychology of design and this, these these interesting concepts that I just never thought about. Um, but anyways, this gentleman, um, he had pointed out that. Uh, he, so he focuses his primary focus is on workplace. Um, I'm not going to call him. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm not. I'm not going to call him out. But uh, his.
1: I think that his own way.
0: David. Okay,
2: sorry. That's awesome.
0: I love it, man. That's what he gets for going to the coast. I yeah. guess enjoy the beautiful scenery, great beer. He's gotta suffer with the bad internet. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's your that's your ten, course, ten years, man. Uh, so so I was chatting with this gentleman and he was chatting, he was he his focus is on workplace. And so he's kind of been focusing on the four pillars of getting back to work and what this means. And he's kind of coming up with these you know alternative theories, but his whole thing was uh, pre-COVID, we actually only used our, our cubicle, our seat, our physical seat, uh forty or I think it was uh forty to sixty percent, some 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 number. He had like it depends on discipline and all stuff. He had all this arbitrary information that, that is above my head. But anyways, what it what it was was it focused on um, how much people were sitting in their seats so that the owner, the employer, whoever of the building can can you know kind of tailor the environment around them and all that sort of stuff. So using sensors, they were able to, to, you know, uh, choose when to turn on the AC systems and reduce, you know, conserve energy and all that stuff. But with what's going on now, he's saying with COVID it's like 20%. And is there going to be return normal if there is a return to normal? So the mentality is shifted. The employer is no longer like, are my employees working? Are, you know, are they doing what they're supposed to be doing? Right. If I, nobody's thinking that now. Now they're just thinking right. like, are we are we getting shit done? Are we, are we we're meeting all this? Am I keeping my guys busy? This is the new conversation, uh, not so much the the the, the ladder. So his well, whole shaking shift. It's awesome.
2: Yeah. <laughs> well, the other part too is kind of like now, you know, there's also the other the other um, perspective, right? It's like how much how much money can we also save now, right? <laughs> because we don't need four stories anymore. Right. If if we're only having a third of the company drop in and out during the week, maybe we'll only need two now. You know, there's some cost savings component there. Like before though, we wouldn't ever have that because we needed to have a desk for every single person that was an employee with the company.
0: Now every right? person can get a five thousand dollar laptop instead <coughs> and get the full yeah. power, which is awesome. But that said, yeah. I mean, does that 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 that's kind of a double, you know, uh, it is a backhanded compliment in our in our industry, right? We're AEC specific. So, you know, what do you do if you're not building more buildings?
2: Yeah. I mean, of course, I mean that's that's the that's the you know double edged sword to all of this because, you know, like they said, like every like every downturn every downturn always provides opportunity as well. Mm-hmm. You know, one one industry or market may yep. suffer, but then it also breathes new opportunities and do we have to shift as a as an industry maybe you know um and so you know the, one of the things that i just want to talk before i go to the sim the sim discussion here you know one of the big things i'm noticing is the um for me because i'm not i don't have the distractions of water cooler talk anymore and trust me i, I love i love interacting with people but- that's okay. where this
0: podcast came from, was water cooler talk. Dave, I, my my desk was next to the water cooler. We had a couch. David would come by. We'd sit and he'd be like, "Well, let me pick your brain about this. What do you what do you think about this?" And we just riff for like an hour. And I'm sure employers didn't like it, but yeah. this podcast spun out of that those conversations. Yeah. We were just like, "Let's make it happen." So anyways, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but you can know, you guys, so- can you guys hear me now? Yeah. Yeah. There's some background yep. noise, but we got you.
1: Okay. All right. I I just wanted to say, yes, I completely agree, man. And I, I mean, the water cooler talk for me, you know, it was a little bit of a distraction, but it allowed me to kind of talk through things with like-minded individuals. Like give me a forum, right? Uh, A forum kind of space where we can release those ideas, talk about those ideas and, and figure out different directions we want to go. Dude, I remember bugging Joey all the time. Like, Hey, have you talked to this person? Have you talked to that person? What about this person for training? Oh, Hey, can we do this? What do you think about that? It was just, it was a, a, a good release, but a good, I, I felt also inspiration for our team. You, but the more that we do can that, adopt... you call me like four Dude.
0: times a day.
1: Like... Well, exactly. <laughs> well, that's, that's actually like the second part of my point here. Like if we can adopt the technology, like teams and things like that, the more that we can adopt that, I feel like we can still get that back. We can yeah. still have that. It's just adopting that technology to pick up where we might, you know, have left off a little bit or again. Um, since COVID is causing a little bit of a, a downturn in terms of, of work, hey, let's take this time down to optimize, like, hey, let's look at our templates, let's look at how we're doing, how what our deliverables are, how we can improve on ourselves. And I think pushing forward, you know, we can utilize that to to better ourselves as a whole.
0: Well, that's <laughs> what we've been pushing as as for everything, is if you're not if you're not learning during this whole COVID process, you're wasting yep. your opportunity. Just, just grow. Just yep. focus on what you need to and grow.
2: But the, the the flip side to some of the 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 non-water cooler talk, right, is that for myself, I know for my team members, is that we're actually now like grinding eight. I mean, we're working like almost the whole day, right? There's not a whole lot of people coming up, and or you know, there's not a there's not some of those distractions besides trying to help somebody with something, and so I think just because, as a culture, right, we we get those breaks that maybe we're not doing that as much because we're working at home and we're just grinding away. And so I think for me i've I've noticed people just seem a lot more maybe it's just the whole the fate of society, so it seems that it's people just a lot of people are just tired. Maybe it's just the people I'm around, but just people are just tired. And so, and I think I'm like, maybe we're just we're literally you know we're we're in lockdown, but we're also maybe working working more throughout the day without those water cooler talks that you said could help, you know, help spark creativity, right? Conversations and get to know other people better and stuff like that.
1: I was on mute there for a second. I was like, oh yeah, yeah, I agree. (laughs) I gotta hit the
2: mute button. Uh. All right. Well, then the other thing you guys talked about. I guess we can go down our rabbit hole. So, sim, right? And so, um, so civil infrastructure modeling. Um, I've always, I've, I've been, I've been pushing this in the earliest forms since the, you know, I'll use an old phrase here. I use this today with Rick Ellis the integrated project delivery days.
0: Oh, good old
2: IPD, man. Yeah. If I even, I even told him. You remember? Do you remember that graphic that Autodesk made? <laughs> that showed the infographic that showed all the different steps of IPD. Um, anyway, I thought that was a pretty cool graphic. But um, no, I just think there's and 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 I, I since I'm a bridge guy, right? A lot of my stuff comes from doing ODOT bridges, uh, being a, being a structural engineering tech in that world. So my my sweet spot and my specialty is bridges. And so, but I could just I just don't get it still. How And I don't know, and I know the tools are getting better, and maybe this is why, because, you know, the bridges can be so intricate, right, between footings and substructures and bearings and, um, you know, the superstructure and the rail and the protective fencing and all this kind of stuff of, you know, we, we do this design. We have these nice 3D corridors, nice 3D DTMs that we either, you know, we that we make. And then there's a big hole where the bridge should be, and we're still doing that in 2D, right? I mean, you know, it's it's so, so it's it's interesting to me that we're 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 still, you know, I know the workflows have gotten different now, right? People are leveraging, which you wouldn't think that you can leverage Infraworks, <laughs> I mean Infraworks, sorry, that you can leverage Inventor to do your bridge, because that's more of a mechanical design um, tool, right? But it's just I I just to me it just seems like we just we still have to jump through too many hoops to try to get to that still.
0: So one of the I'm not calling anybody out but you know one of the largest bridge manufacturers bridge builders in the country is located near where I live now and that's all I'm saying <laughs> and they use primarily AutoCAD LT like hundreds of seats of AutoCAD LT no Civil 3D none of this stuff like i'm just wondering like how are you building bridges using this antiquated technology you know autocad lt is is very powerful don't get me wrong it's got the autocad engine it does a lot of great stuff if you just want to produce 2d correct. but that said you don't get any plugins there's no 3d there's no integrations with anything you are faltering and floundering so much so if you use you said you you spooked a little bit and said infoworks and then you said inventor That said, if you use InfraWorks to create the preliminary design and then you use it, uh, then you uh, kick it out to Revit, it uses the inventor engine. I don't know if this is what you're referring to, but it creates all of those Revit families uh, based off of the astro tables of that initial preliminary design. Um, Dude, your, 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 your base is there. You got a lot of tweaking, don't get me wrong, but tweaking Revit families as somebody who's played with a lot of rep families, I can guarantee you is a lot easier than drawing line after line after line after line and then making revision after revision after revision after revision.
2: After revision. Yeah, but I don't, see so that's the part, and this is where, you know, in, on my podcast we were, I was talking with one of the guys about about something like this and we kind of chuckled because of course we're like, why doesn't Autodesk do something a little bit different? Obviously they probably know or are, are doing things in the background, right? we're laughing because we're like, we're stupid because you know they're probably laughing at us right now. But it just seems like you know Revit is definitely laughing at us right now. You know, but Revit (laughs) isn't Revit isn't made for bridges. Isn't isn't a bridge designing tool. Right, it can be. It's not. I mean, so it's like I don't know, man. It's like you know you're. I'm trying to find a, a good analogy, but I think you guys know where I'm getting at. And so it's like you know you know even if you leverage the the infraworks engine to at least start it to get it into civil 3d because right civil 3d used to have that bridge module right for bridge design and then it kind of went away
0: yeah which uh, sucks yeah because yeah. I, I, yeah. I i still use that i use yeah. it in 2019 20
2: 2018 yeah.
0: something like that yeah
2: yeah but still, yeah but-
0: so i definitely i definitely i
1: see where you're going with it what i think i think more of what people are thinking the revit use in this sense would be is for construction documents to be for documentation right yeah. the, the ease of use with sections call out
0: of course yeah. making
1: your details now your some of your details might need to come from inventor or cat but being able to but, connect so, all that information together in that platform to document i think that's really but, where revit is all in. the
0: all the analysis the bridge analysis happens based off of the 2d file which is blows my mind anyways <laughs> as we use a 2d I file know. to do structural analysis for a bridge because that is predominant structural analysis software for bridges. It blows my mind. I can't believe that's the way we do this.
2: So I'm gonna say this. So and I know, I know this is like the four-letter word to you guys, but you know when I use the Bentley software, oh, um, you know, act- <laughs> yeah,
1: through the heart, <laughs> kill me. No. Oh. Yeah. Sorry guys.
2: And I, I told we're, you guys, this. I'm dual we're, platform. We're, so we're, get over. We're, it. we're technology agnostic, man. We, we uh, are yes, technology yes. agnostic. Yeah. You know. uh, yep, anyway yep, yep. but but what they do though is they have um i think it's gonna be the open open bridge designer they have a different name of it because they're coming out but they have this tool called um, um, leap bridge or bridge leap <laughs> i forget i forget because I, I only used it a couple of times but the times i did use it it actually seemed like that's so basically what it is is you have an alignment and basically you have this section it's like a section creator right so it's it's just a little interface that you use you plug in what kind of astro girders you're going to use what's the slope of your deck what kind of rails spacing and then you say i want to start this bridge section from this station to this station and it draws it in 3d right i mean that's the kind of that's you know because to me like oh this actually makes sense this is how like i would detail it Right, and therefore it spits out something that I'm telling it to do. Now I know Infoworks does something similar. Um, That's very cool. That's a very cool workflow. Yeah, no,
0: yeah, but we don't get to define the elements like you get to define what you were mentioning because you were saying that you get to define like the rails and the girders yeah. and all stuff. We don't necessarily get to define a lot of that stuff in Infoworks, which which is kind of a drawback. They yeah. want you to do that stuff in Revit. But 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 that said, you know, you, you hit the nail on the head earlier. Maybe it's not the best tool for some. Maybe maybe it's not. But that said, you know, like David and I, we are we're as people people, but just because of what we've of course it's what we've been brought up in. It's what we do. Yeah, we've been
1: what well, we've experienced. That's how, how our path has been. Yeah, so yeah, yeah.
0: But our, our company, like you know, they've got this whole spin-off of um, uh, themselves with uh, with with Bentley. There's this integration. So like we've got to be technology agnostic, even though. And we've just our nature is we're technology agnostic. Like we just we don't care as long as there's the right tool to, to fill a job. That said, man, I just I just haven't seen it. I'd love to see it. If you could, you want to show it to me? I'd love to see it, man. Like I'd love to know yeah. more about how these workflows integrate and all that sort
2: of stuff. But all but see, but there's still. Oh man, it's just a whole interoperability right between them all. I mean, so oh the more gosh. the more hoops. You know, this is how it was in the day before I did you know, before InfoWorks came out. That's you know, before InfoWorks came out, right? To, in order for me to do any kind of visualization or animation, right, I had to draw it up in MicroStation or AutoCAD or Civil 3D, take those CAD files, right? I then create a three D model out of it, out of each one. I take it into three D Studio Max, I would texture it and then depend on what I needed to do, render a visual, render a visualization still and or render it out in animation. Right. And so the birth of infroworks, man, just went just <laughs> I could do all that what took me like a like a whole week. Now I can do it within a couple hours or a day. So yeah. the marketing
0: side, the pre side was or pre pre design side rather, was was handled for you in one software.
2: Correct. But but now it's the you know, and I know they're trying. I know they're trying, but it just seems like but once you but see the thing is that once you go from InfraWorks into civil three D to take the bridge right, let's take the bridge through the process, right, through the, so next we're going to take into Civil 3D so we can actually design this, right, and then take it into plans, right, so we can do construction documents. I think it's that one, it's that, it's, it's, it's within Civil 3D maybe where where you really want to run it through the paces like you would a Civil design, right, and have the tools intuitive enough to be able to actually model the bridge, accordingly with the actual alignment and the actual surface um you know we, yeah we, you know so I, think I think those think are the challenges and why, where does why why do i need to go into revit for that you know i understand Well, maybe you don't need
1: to go into revit for that but i think that's maybe where the adoption of dynamo well, might come into play right uh, maybe
0: well, yeah well there was this antiquated workflow and, and it's since been uh discontinued but there was this tool that you're talking about the structural bridge designer, um, the package that was in Revit, allowed us to go back and forth between Civil 3D and Revit. So not only could we bring our bridge into Revit uh, from InfoWorks, that's great, and have the corridor or the surfaces inside of Civil 3D. Civil 3D, we do all the grading, but then we do the bridge design in Revit. You know,
2: it just- I guess Revit structure. I guess that was- the, I yeah. guess that was a- Yeah, that yeah. was tip. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah.
0: Well, and then they discontinued Robot, and then they brought it back. So, like the analytics side of it wasn't always there. The Robot structural analysis. Like, no, I don't but, know, man. It, there's sorry, go ahead, David. You're a you little know, more on uh, team No, I'm design. sorry.
1: I, I'm just saying, like, with with the with the changes that they're making as they're bringing more advanced steel, right, and and Inventor integrations with with Revit, the concrete detailing that I'm seeing, you know, the family, like the the workflows. I, I really enjoy and then again of course being able to document everything being able to yeah. take everything inside of revit like it's almost making revit like an info or Navisworks type of idea right type of thing where we can kind it's of accommodate all of that information into one yeah. it is the aggregator right it is yeah. the aggregator of that data to go ahead and go and you know document everything but yeah. i do like man i really love the fact that we're starting to get more into this integration, especially with Infoworks, Inventor, Civil 3D, Advanced Steel, you know, and of course, not even just Advanced Steel for steel design, but with concrete uh, portions with steel connections, maybe, you know, embeds, things like that. But being able to dimension to a um, 3D model, I, I want to say to a better Yes, yeah, really, really, to be able to, to dimension, like, accordingly to where well, we need to. Well,
2: well we that's, what that Inventor, that's what Inventor does, right? Inventor allows allow, – yep. and this is what mechanical – this is why we used it. We used mechanical desktop back in the day when I was doing my industrial design was I had a 3D model. It, it completely was how I wanted it, and I used that model to create all my views for my sheets. So as soon as the model updated, all my sheets and all my details updated, and my dimensions, if I used – dynamic dimensioning right that's that's what we need i just obviously i think we all know that i think revit gives us to it i just think there just has to be again i'm pretty sure somebody's listening to this is laughing because yep. they've worked this they've <laughs> worked this out if you're listening to this and you hear this reach out because we yeah need, we send need, some we feedback need, because we need this out there because you know we're just it's too many it's too many too many hoops to jump through and i guess you can do it but i think the more hoops being being an innovator or being one to push new technologies and trying to have the masses adopt it, the more hoops we have to jump through, the less it's going to be accepted. And if Hold the it. more hoops they have to jump through, the more that they're going to compromise the right, the right workflow because at the end of the day, they're just trying to get it done to get it out the door, and they will compromise it if there's too many hoops to jump through.
0: Yeah, the more hoops... The more friction, and then the more friction, the, uh, the the more chances of good enough, and then get it out. Exactly. Uh, but, but that said, so, David, I just want to commend you with that uh, uh, advanced steel. I was just about to give in, and I totally didn't even think about advanced steel. That slipped my mind. Uh, advanced steel is, you know, so Adventure was one of the first programs I ever – it was actually the first CAD program I ever learned – Somebody told me in GIS I had to learn AutoCAD. You know, I clicked the first AutoCAD uh, AutoDesk installation that I had available to me as a student, and it was it was uh, Inventor. So I'm downloading it and I'm running it through. uh, I'm learning all the you know, going through the tutorials, doing the the online trainings and stuff that came that came with our, our instruction, all that stuff. I learned Inventor, feel great. I'm producing stuff. And then I only had to find out that I was an idiot, and that's not what she used for GIS. Um, so so I was, you know, I was very young. But but that said, um uh looking at like inventor as the solution is great, but you don't get that 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 fabrication level of detail. You do, but you don't. No. So you, you do, mm-hmm. but you don't get the documentation that goes with it. Uh and, and advanced steels integration. well, Revit actually just has some new integration with Inventor, which is awesome. That said, previous prior to this, uh, Advanced Steel's integration with Revit has been tremendous. So, yes, jumping through hoops sucks, and it really does suck. But it's just about finding the right tool for the right person. So maybe our engineer doesn't need Advanced Steel, um, but uh, you know maybe the detail team does. Maybe the, I, I don't know. I'm just I, I right. I, like well, it's I, to find a better workflow for this. But I am blown away by what Infoworks can do in this space to, to at least get us to the. The
2: preliminary Yes. Yes. Oh, man, I mean, it's agree it, me. it's think, awesome. Awesome tool. I mean,
1: it is. It really is. And I think I think kind of what you're hinting at there, Joe, is starting to you know kind of focus software for um, workflows or for jobs like positions, and then making sure they have the correct integrations within well, the software. Like let's say our designer needs advanced steel, you know, and our or whatever whatever it is, but you're making sure these people have something that can let's say uh, collaborate or connect maybe within the AEC collection or outside of Autodesk, but just even, again, making sure that the add-in itself or the integration is a seamless process, right? Because that's really what we want. So we're trying to tie
0: SIM and BIM uh, mindsets, right? Uh, We're talking about civil information modeling, but what David and I preach commonly is about BIM, but the idea here is, I said idea with an R, which you can tell me I've had too much alcohol.
1: Uh, <laughs> sorry. What, the seems to be the, what seems to be the officer problem? <laughs>
0: well, the idea. <laughs> oh, geez. Oh, sorry, man. Uh, anyways, but 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 really, what we're getting at too uh, is is the the long term effects of people adopting technology as we get closer and closer and tighter and tighter with the way our software inter- interacts with with the uh, optimal output. So right now we produce drawings to get to 30%, 60%, 90%, 100%, whatever. That's our end goal. We don't, and then from there we get, you know, the the contractors to come in to produce. And then, again, I'm speaking from a, a BIM workflow. the contractors come in and produce to, um, you know, fabrication level of detail. But what about getting there on the SIM side, the same situation, but, you know, maybe it's not, you know, a tool that's currently available. Maybe there's a tool that comes out. but allows us to kind of tweak and play with that so it integrates this whole workflow so that we get to fabrications you know level of detail sooner so we're talking about advanced steel uh, um, bentley products you know and then we've got six different workflows to get through through uh, conceptual and preliminary design even regular design and then the analysis still still has yet to happen but you know what's that handover look like in the future i mean we're talking about sim and bim I I don't think we're there yet, but I do think that there's going to be a technology that kind of has to merge this too, whether it's Bentley, Autodesk, or some unknown player.
2: Well, no, I, I, I agree. I mean, I think that's where the future, kind of going back to one of David's questions, right, was, what's the future of CAD, right? It's going to be beyond just detailing. I mean, detailing stuff in 2D details to make plans, right? We're going to, we're going to, we're going to have to be working you know, CAD groups are going to have to elevate their tech, their technical skills and be aligned in some regards with getting direction from like an engineer or a designer, right? And then being able to then um, help f- create those 3D models, right? That will be, because hopefully the tools will get there. So it's, it's you know, um, we could do something very similar like we do with Revit, right? And so that way, like you said, you know, we want to get to, a 3D, you know, I guess that I guess the the phrase is digital twin, right? We want to get to the ultimate digital twin that can then be handed over for then um, for the owner, right? Be, being able then to um, be able to have these assets um, that we can then leverage for the future as whatever you know, whatever improvements we're going to make, um, you know, whatever uh, expansions we're going to do that we all have, it's all there together. I mean, all right, ultimately.
1: Dude, I agree. I mean, honestly, it's what we want, that path we can all, all move forward together. I mean, finding these workflows or integrations, finding how we can you know, optimize what we have to move forward. And and of course, I, I do think that CAD isn't going anywhere. It isn't. Um, I, I think it's something we're going to take forward because it's used in so many different industries. It really yep. is. And, and being able to tie all of our industries together, you know, th- this is where I see us heading into the future. You know, right now we have a lot of different types of software for design, manufacturing, media, you know, what have you. Even um, even in, even in the, the construction industry itself, there are so many different types of softwares for design, for structural design, for mechanical, you know, what have you. Um, Moving forward, dude, I'd like to see somehow we all kind of just, I I don't know, find those integrations that can really, um, you know, provide seamless information, you know, data transfer and data management, right? And I think that's the biggest thing, managing that data between the two. Knowing what we need, setting those standards in terms of, if you're going to send me this CAD file, I want it to have this, this, and this in it, so I can optimize this when I'm, when I'm moving forward, whether it is in, you know, Revit or it's in InfraWorks, whatever it is, or, you know, whatever, you know, some new software could come out and, and annihilate everything else. We don't know. But I, I think that just moving forward, again, optimizing our relationships, right? That's really what yeah. it's all about, in those integrations.
2: Yeah, I agree. I mean, again, that's where that's one of the things I tell people. I said, you know, if that's one of the, I think the beauties of CAD is that it's one of the technologies or skill sets that crosses multiple disciplines, right? And so, and that could be many forms, whether or not you're designing and or drafting. You the end of the day, you know, right now we have to create construction documents for somebody to build something. That's where being a professional draft person you know leveraging cad for that as a skill set we're still going to need for many years we're 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 a long ways of doing things where a model you know where they're going to be able to build things from just from a model and so you know that's where i'm excited because the again the opportunity will always will be there for you know in the near and even distant future but what's but what will evolve was how we make those i really truly believe we'll get more to like an inventor type where we're all designing from a true 3D model in all of our plans. Like like you said, like Revit too, right? A 3D model and all your views, your sections, your details, your layouts, um, your elevations are all going to be based off of a 3D model. I think ultimately that's, that's where we want to go. That's where some programs are already there. I just think from a Sim standpoint, we still have a lot, a lot of ways to go in regards to, especially like a bridge, the walls around a bridge, and all the things that are kind of, um, you know, structural components.
1: Definitely agree. I mean, there's a lot of things that go into bridge itself into analysis you know the forces of the bridge not just vehicles going over it but the actual forces of the environment it's going to be in there's so many different things and then of course the design itself i mean the design is is insane with those things running rebar running caps just to make sure that they are secure and and again yeah dude connecting that data there's so much again i look forward to moving into the future and seeing where this all goes
2: yep Yeah, and luckily we have, you know, the industry giants between Autodesk and Bentley, um, you know, they're out there, you know, I like to say they're innovating daily because obviously they're trying to capture the market respectfully, but at the same yeah. time, it does give us the tools that we need to help advance how we create these plan sets and how can we yeah. continue to give, you know, first class deliverables, first class products to yeah. to the client right? And at the, at the end of the day.
1: Yeah, dude, I totally agree. It's competition. You know, for me, I'm a I'm a I'm a car guy. And when I see even this type of competition, it excites me, it really does. Like when I see Dodge and Ford and Chevy starting to produce higher horsepower cars, you know, and they're they're trying to do less with more. They're trying to put out these higher cars and these faster cars. And you see the same with software, man. And it, it's exciting. It's it's seeing you know, these connections being made that typically before weren't you know yeah. and and then there's things like the uh, of course not just integrations with other softwares but new softwares that they're adding or or they're acquiring different companies they're acquiring yeah. different things to be more competitive in these spaces i think it's yeah. awesome yeah keep it going keep it going <laughs> keep keep being competitive so, you know yeah. and and let these other companies grow to breed this competition and and make it better for the
0: users because that's what it's all about so, stupid me button on the back of my head said, I've been talking and talking. I'm like, why are they ignoring me? But anyways, uh, so you mentioned something earlier with CAD not going away. AutoCAD is still the most sold Autodesk product. I don't know if you guys know that. But that Autodesk, is crazy. <laughs> AutoCAD is still the most sold yeah, Autodesk I guess product. that
2: makes sense. It's universal.
0: By a large margin. By an <laughs> insane margin. Uh, I wish I had the slide up to show you guys the metric but it's it's pretty insane uh, that said the other part of this is uh we were talking about inventor which only makes sense inventor is a manufacturing tool as we kind of narrow this gap that has been ha- happening for quite a while uh construction not just the you know not talking civil space but uh construction as a whole is kind of merging and I, I'm sure you were at the Autodesk University where they, you know, happened to point this out that everybody was like, Oh yeah, we already know that. But, but anyways, that said, like where construction is merging with manufacturing because we're getting to this point of prefabrication and yeah. more detailed, uh, um, deliverables and the design software and 3d and all this stuff is playing together in such a way that we are kind of like just trying to figure out where to shape costs and how to, how to give ourselves a le- leg up. And I say us, design firms, whatever, whoever it is, um, just merging the two. So Inventor kind of just makes sense. So as we get more parametric tools, more dynamic tools like Inventor, like Revit, it just makes sense that they're going to come come uh, full circle. And, and I don't know if you've had a chance to play with Dynamo, but I am very excited about what Dynamo allows us to do.
2: Yeah, no, I haven't had a chance. I mean, it's on my list. Uh, but yeah, I mean, and that's what, and that's kind of, you know, what we're as end users, right? We're trying to look at is, you know, how can we continue to be efficient? Um, how can we continue to elevate ourselves, our technology? Um, you know, so it's it's exciting time.
0: I hear you, man. I hear you. Well,
2: well I, I know we're uh,
0: coming up on the hour and uh, we promise to get you off in time. Uh, but but that said, um, you know, you provided us kind of a unique insight into what the CAD managers are facing today, the future of Sim. Uh, there's been a, I don't know, kind of, kind of a, a weird weird lull that's been happening with construction and, and design. And uh, I just, I feel that it's picking back up. And I feel like, you know, you mentioned earlier that you guys were, you feel like you're busier, more, more, more hours of the day now. I feel like we're just getting back to this point where construction's coming, or design at least is coming full circle, um, and and we're putting more into our designs. Is there anything that you could tell our listeners that you think that you would, our listeners would, would want to hear about this kind of, you know, um, future of, of, of where design's going, not only where design's going, but where COVID's kind of pushing us?
2: You know, I, I think it's, it's still pushing us to, you know... Um, continue to collaborate of course right we do that every day but this it's a little bit different because we're remote and so the and I and I know you, this is going to sound cliche but you're just going to have to stay on top of your communication um, you know as you're as a as a design team as a project team uh, because it's very easy to now it truly is to just kind of fade away and not say anything or do things kind of on your own, but just, you know, continue to communicate with everybody, Um, you know, so that way, you know, just being transparent to another level. Um, You know, again, as a manager, I'm looking for that for my team, right? Are they engaging with their teams that they're working on? Are they continuing to following standards? Are they continuing to do our protocol? Even though we're on VPN and it's very easy to copy a file to your to your laptop hard drive and work on it from home. You know, do the right thing and still work on it on the network, right? Um, you know, the other thing is, you know, if you haven't, I know. And again, this this uh, it's going to be a plug for you guys. Um, you know, if, if you guys <laughs> if you guys aren't leveraging, you know, just bite the bullet and leverage your your electronic documentation review software. For me, we use Bluebeam. Um, you know, I've, again, I've I've been doing more and more of my cat checks that way. We're going to be using obviously Bluebeam Studio more to do um, project whole project team project reviews. And so, you know, if it's something that you know you if you're listening and you and your team are just having a struggle with checking and doing things, you know, obviously at home we don't have big scanners for 11 by 17s. If you do, awesome. But if you don't, just just get just get comfortable with the tools. It, it it won't take long. The more obviously, the more you do it, the more efficient you'll get at it. Um, but yep. you know, one parting word I guess with this is that um, you know we're all dealing with different things at home. The way we um, interact with each other, just just have a little bit of patience and a little bit of compassion with each other. Um, you know, whoever you're working with, because you know we don't know what they're struggling with at home with. Kids and working from working remote, or their spouses or whoever they're working for is working from home as well. Um, and you're around each other a lot. Uh, so you know, just just um, just extra a little bit of extra love and a little bit more extra patience, I think will go a long ways.
1: All right, man, I that's... agree, with you, especially in these times, man. I, I really do. That's a great message. That's perfect to end on.
0: Heart, heartfelt from the CAD manager himself.
2: <laughs> Thank you. Love it.
0: Well, well, tell everybody how they can find you, man, and uh, you know what you got coming next.
2: Yeah, so um, probably okay. the you can find me on LinkedIn, um, Eric DeLeon, D E L E O N. Um, you can also find me on Instagram and Twitter with the handle Mr. Mister M I S T E R underscore DeLeon, D E L E O N. Um, and, of course, you can search for the CAD Manager Confessions Podcast on all the major um, podcast platforms. Um, what I'm doing next is, you know, trying to um, – I've started this, what I'm calling it, a CAD Manager Masterclass. Um, so if you're a CAD Manager, even a BIM Manager maybe, um, you know, I'd love to talk to you. I'm continuing this series where I, I interview and talk with other fellow CAD Managers to hear their stories and so that way, us as a community can learn. Um, it's amazing. The um, I just got done with series one. I already have series enough interviews lined up for series two and three, and just going to continue this and hopefully it could pr- provide value to the CAD community of um, you know what it takes to be a CAD manager, the stories of the challenges, the successes, um, and the you know all the things that a CAD manager does every day.
0: All
1: right. Well, thanks again for coming on, Eric. And thank you everyone for joining us for another episode of Brewing with BIM.
0: All right. Thanks, guys. Bye. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Have a good one, Eric.
2: Thank you.